Welcome back to season one of Multifamily Unpacked. This week, we're going to try something new. Instead of bringing on a really smart, insightful guest, you're just going to hear my voice. But on this topic, I have a lot of passion and a lot to talk about. So we decided to dive into my favorite concept, centralization. But instead of talking about all the reasons why, we started to dig into some of the myths about why not. First of all, you may have heard that it only works if you have geographic density. Let's talk about it. Second, you may say, well, I'm a third-party operator. Well, we've got an opinion there too. And lastly, the big reason, the new operating model is just too hard. Let's dig into that one as well. As we discuss the changing environment of multifamily and the new operating model, I hope this short Tyler's Take style podcast gives you some insight into the journey you can take and why it's worth it. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the reasons that we hear folks uh, still pushing back on the need to move to a new operating model. Um, you know, there's a number of reasons, but there's three primary ones that, that for those that, that are the holdouts still, that still think this is optional, what are those reasons? And again, I think that they're valid reasons, but let's, let's talk about those. Uh, the first is that, well, centralization, shared services really only applies to me if I have geographic density. Uh, and I think that that makes sense that you would start there because a lot of the early examples of centralization started with operators who had tremendous geographic density, meaning that properties were close, right? And and yes, that makes total sense that if you have properties that are within a short drive, naturally you would expect a certain amount of traffic lead volume to be shared across those properties. Uh, And so it it makes sense that often we we associate centralization with cross-selling. However, it would be wrong to assume, and I can tell you it is wrong in reality, that centralization and cross-selling are not one and the same. They, they overlap, but they're not the same thing. Uh, and, and I think the way that we could articulate that is that one of the steps in the journey that our partners take along this, this path of centralization, and there really is no endpoint because it, it's a journey, and even our partners that have had the best results, they're doing more. They still see more opportunities. But one of the first steps that they all take is they get a whiteboard out. And you know, maybe it's the proverbial Zoom whiteboard, but you know, in some capacity, they are listing out all their ideas of what goes on on site today, right? What are the things that take time? What are the things that contribute to our traditional one employee for every 100 units? And when you list all those things out, maybe it's you know 50 in one organization and 70 in another, and you circle the ones that really do require you being on site, right? Those items, you know, maybe providing uh, support for a tour, certainly maintenance. And depending on the operator, you may want a resident ambassador on site who's, you know, uh, there to do in-person renewal interviews, whatever your decision is. It's your secret sauce. But in all cases, the, the minority of tasks are going to require somebody being boots on the ground. And so let's start with that concept. If if you're holding out on centralization or, or perhaps you're earlier in your career and think that, hey, that only applies to other companies. I want you to think about the tasks that you do today and could you do those tasks from home? And the reality is the majority of tasks that happen on site and have historically happened on site don't need to be done on site. And so that begins to immediately remove this barrier of, well, then what could be centralized, right? So let's take, for instance, renewals or move-ins. While maybe physically handing someone keys is a requirement, although many operators are using uh, IoT technology to eliminate that need, um, the actual steps between lease signing and move-in are pretty administrative and can be done off-site. And the reality is, is that when they're done off-site, it allows you to do those with the right technology across multiple sites to do it well, to do it consistent, to do it quickly. 
and all of a sudden, <laughs> the, the barrier of geodensity limiting your centralization no longer exists, right? You could have a community. I, I, I'm uh, based in Tampa, Florida. You could have a community in Ocala and a community in Sarasota and one in Orlando. And I could be doing move-ins across all those properties or, or probably four or five more sitting here in Tampa, Florida. I don't need to be visiting the property every single day. So number one, I don't believe geographic density is a real true reason to limit your move to centralization, uh, to embrace it. Again, if you're earlier in your career, I think this is just going to be a part of doing your job, just like AI is going to be a part of doing your job. Um, that being said, I do think if you have any sort of geographic density, you should absolutely be looking at cross-selling, right? And looking at, hey, how often are we naturally seeing consumers uh, intersect between our properties? Uh, when we turn funnel on, we often find that it's probably one out of every five times that if there's any within five miles, you're going to have shared traffic. Um, so that's reason number one, people don't do it uh, and kind of picked apart why I think that might not be the case and why we've seen it's not the case. The second one, this is the big one. This is the controversial one in our industry. And that is the idea that, hey, I am a third party manager, uh, which, you know, kind of uh, embarrassed to admit, but it took me many years in this industry to retrain myself to say third party manager. Uh, I think on the vendor side, sometimes we say fee manager. And I can see why if somebody called me a fee vendor, I'd, I'd take offense to that. So I do my best to, to think, you know, these are third party partners that are uh, managing the property on behalf of an asset manager. And that on behalf of, is really the key here. That that is often positioned as a reason why, you know, hey, I'm we're a large, medium or small third-party management company and we can't go down this path because our owners won't allow it. Now, I do think it's an incredibly fair argument uh, because in particular, often there is a relationship with the owner where they have uh, a veto right to say, no, you can't do that. And the most common pushback we hear from people is, well, they're not gonna wanna share leads across multiple properties. And I think that logic has held out for decades in our industry. We've assumed it to be true. But I want to point two things. The first is that most of the institutional capital that owns multifamily assets also happens to own other real estate verticals where that is not the case whatsoever. So let's use hotels as an easy example. You know, Blackstone, very large investment organization, they have money in hotels. They have money in multifamily. In the world of hotels, we are very com comfortable with the idea that a lead and the lead data is going to be shared across multiple operators, right? Because that uh, apartment that's owned by Marriott isn't actually managed by Marriott. It's managed by a management, com management company you've never heard of. But Marriott as a brand is sharing the lead data across multiple properties. So first and foremost, I want to dispel with the idea that, oh, the asset manager is religiously opposed to the idea of sharing data. That's, that's just not the case. Now, certainly asset managers have a propensity or a habit to not do so. However, that that is changing. And why that is changing is that, as is often the case in our industry, the bleeding edge of technology happens with the REITs. It happens with the large owner managers. Uh, and that's because they have the shortest uh, path to ROI because they can get all the decision makers in one room, say, hey, we're going all in on self-guided tours. We're going all in on cross-selling. And in a very short period of time, they can achieve the results. And those results go straight to the market cap, right? Go straight to the, the share price. So we often see innovation come through the REITs. But the reality is, is that being publicly traded companies, they talk about those results. And, and if you're not familiar, just Google Camden earnings calls or Essex earnings calls. Read through those. I guarantee your asset managers are. <laughs> and when they look at what's happening with these companies, they'll see, wait a minute, Essex said that they have improved their employee to unit ratio. That's interesting. I wonder how. Camden, 
Camden has saved $4 million a year by moving to this uh, Nest model. Nest is their, their term for centralization. The results that these companies have achieved, especially in a macroeconomic environment in which there is downward pressure on pricing and upward pressure on, on the cost of capital as well as still uh, a short labor supply, has created an increased demand uh, for the types of results REITs are achieving, but for third-party managed properties. Um, just anecdotally within our own data, the number of leads coming from third-party managers has uh, exponentially increased over the last year. Uh, we have partners like RKW who have achieved fantastic results and are now marketing. They're going out and as part of their sales pitch, and you can see this on LinkedIn, saying, hey, you know what? Centralization is for third-party managers, and if you pick us, we've got the technology to do it. Uh, we've got other really innovative partners that are hybrid owner-managers. They, they own half their assets, and they third-party manage the other half, like a, a BH residential, very innovative company. They've put their whole rebrand built on the concept of shared services. And, and so these, this excuse, this, this pushback, the opposition to, well, third-party managers just don't centralize. Uh, as is the case often with new technology, that's true today, but the excuses are, are they're being picked apart because the results absolutely transfer and results matter to owners. So whether it's an owner manager or an asset manager who is uh, having the property managed, they still want the efficiencies. Now, lastly, what's the third reason? So the first reason is geographic density. We kind of picked that apart. Second is the third party managers just aren't going to be interested and in, in evidences they are and, and just, a, you know, Take it a step further. We're going to hear a lot more in the industry about large third-party management companies really leaning into this soon. So I think there'll be a lot more news on that front. But third, the, the main reason we hear people not doing this is that it is just so hard. Um, we, we had a conversation recently with a very sharp uh, head of operations, uh, what I would consider a mid-market operator in the Midwest. And she said, you know what? This is the perfect vision. We were having a conversation about a shared services model, role specialization. And her, her first comment was, I just don't know where to begin. Uh, and I, that makes total sense. Any transformation requires a, a massive amount of resources, both uh, the energy, the time, the capital to make it happen. What I would counter with that is get out of your head that this is a race. Get out of your head that this is a, a project. It is not a project. It is a transformation. Just like we used to do leasing on paper binders, we used to advertise in paper catalogs. You know, there was not one day that all of a sudden you built a website and you were digital. <laughs> That's not how it happened. We went digital and we are still going digital over decades, right? It is a process to become more and more modern. And the, the operating model, if you are not doing cross-property operations, cross-selling, role specialization, you're, you're on the old model. And that's okay. The majority of people are. Uh, but the idea that it's too hard or this project, we don't have time, we don't have the resources, um, you know, th that is the innovator's dilemma. And, and if you don't take time to disrupt yourself and to embrace the new operating model, and this goes for large C-suite executives, and this goes for, you know, the, the entry level, um, you know, leasing agent who's working a property for the first time, embrace this technology, look for opportunities to prove that you can do role specialization and shared services, because it, it's not done. And so it, it's similar to any diet, any effort you take on, it's going to be hard, but you don't get in shape going to the gym once you get by making good, small decisions day after day, there are a lot of opportunities, a lot of low-hanging fruit to be able to move on this path. So we're here to support you in that. We think this is a really, really cool initiative. Um, and you know, if you're interested, we'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, but more importantly, our, our partners, we can connect you with one of them to, to share their results. Thanks for listening to this episode of Multifamily Unpacked. 
If you enjoyed what you heard here, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and follow Funnel on LinkedIn. 